Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is George O'Brien. Thanks for being on the show, George. Thank you. George and his wife, Angela, went from two W-2 jobs with a few single-family homes to ownership in nearly 100 units and another 150-plus unit in joint ventures. They just relocated to Florida after setting that as a goal to occur before 2025. Congratulations, by the way. Uh, George's focus now is scaling his property management company, Progressive Property Investments, and growing his network to start syndications. George, welcome to the show. Uh, I love hearing stories like that. It's like, you know, most of the listeners and, and many of us, you know, have been in those shoes at one time or another or are, you know, looking forward to being in, in your shoes now, making it and getting, you know, setting that goal and, and making it happen. Not everyone sticks to it, you know, and, and gets to that point where they accomplish that goal. But I think there's some key things uh, initially that need to happen when you're thinking about those goals and, and, you know, how we plan for those things that, that I think you can help us with. Give us a little more about, you know, your background and let's dive in and, and help the listener uh, to learn from how you've made it happen and so they can do it too. You know, I've always kind of been around real estate and construction, you know, growing up in South Central Pennsylvania and on a farm, doing stuff with my uncles, learning different trades. The old mindset that when you graduate college and you get your first real job, you're supposed to be responsible and buy your first home. And, you know, we did that. And I was a bachelor at the time, had some friends move in and they were paying rent per room. And I was like, well, this is pretty great. You know, I didn't really realize what I was doing at the time. And, you know, we fast forward a couple of years, met my wife and the friends moved out and we realized that we wanted to have something a little bit larger. And we bought a pre-recession, the, the first house and during the recession, the second, and we knew that we weren't going to get the, the return on the smaller home. We kept it as a rental. Fast forward again another five years, and we were in Western Pennsylvania. I had the opportunity to come out and work as an executive at a local YMCA. We were doing good with keeping both of those rentals, single family rentals, three and a half hours away. And that conversation everybody has at the end of the month, the monthly budget meetings, and what can we do to cut expenses? We have all these goals to vacation here and there and home improvements. And and I just said, listen, instead of focusing on the expenses, let's focus on how we can generate revenue. You know, we took some equity out of our home and line of credit and bought a couple duplexes here in Western Pennsylvania. And again, that was in the spring of 2016. We went at it full throttle. Uh, initially, I was doing a lot of the work myself, and we got to the point from a scaling where we were able to hire some subs and then eventually hire a full-time operations manager to help us with those assets. Nice. No, that's incredible. Well, I want to dive into that so you can help the the listener even more. The goals that you set in the beginning, and then just talk about planning, you know, how you plan to reach that goal, some of those things, because it's so crucial in the beginning. If you can't see those things, you can't see that end in mind. I know for myself, even for my family, it was so important because it took me away from them for a long time. You know, it took so much work on my part while they were working, you know, as well, but they had to understand that dad was working towards something and had to paint that picture for them also. Tell me how you did that and then how you plan to get to that end goal. 
very similar to you. We were, you know, both working W two jobs and you know, nine to five, eight to five, eight to six, and then in the evenings and the weekends, first thing in the morning, you know, I was out on the at the rental properties doing our thing, and you know, it was not great. And we knew we needed to get to a certain number of units based on the cash flow that was kicking out for us to to hire subs, you know. And we also just knew that you know. The money was coming in, but the money is immediately going out. It wasn't like, you know, you buy, you know, two duplexes and, you know, the cash flow is just great. If you want to continue to grow and scale, you know, that cash comes in and the cash immediately goes out and then some. And you just need to have, you know, conversations. You, I would say to the listeners is to really have an understanding. You may have a goal, monetary goal or a number of units, but really the, the, the most important thing would be to have the goal of making sure you're on the same page with your partner, whether it's your, your wife or your significant other, or it's your actual business partners to truly understand what the vision is, knowing that, you know, there's going to be times where it's uncomfortable because one of you is out on the job, one at, at the units or any other ones at home taking care of all the kids and the normal day-to-day household things. Or if you're pulling your own resources into funding some of these projects, you know, things might get tight from time to time. And as long as you have your partnerships in place, your, your family in place, you know, and everybody understands what's going on, you should have no reason to be successful. I love how you brought up, you know, maybe you have a, a business partner that you need to be on the same page with, but your spouse is definitely a business partner, whether they're in the business or not. Uh, it affects them so much. Tell me a little bit about that process while doing that, working so hard, two W-2 jobs, you know, making this happen. Tell me a little bit about keeping that end goal in mind and how, you know, maybe communications or, you know, how you all communicate. Maybe some things that are very important for the listener to be thinking about as they're fixing to dive into this and, you know, thinking about the toll it's going to take on your family as well. Yeah, just have very clear expectations, whether you do it our route, the route we did, it was, you know, the Burr method, you know, we didn't even know what the Burr method was, you know, buy, renovate, uh, uh, rehab and refinance, repeat, or you do it through the syndications, just have a very clear understanding of, let's say for the syndication pieces, you know, how much capital we comfortable with having working for us, how much we want to hold back in reserves, have them part of the process. If they want to be involved, if they don't, don't drag them kicking and screaming, you know, just make sure you have boundaries. And for us, initially I was finding the properties and sit with her and vetting them and running through the numbers. And that wasn't something she was overly too excited to do. So I identified that sometimes you have to move quickly. So we had an understanding that I was allowed to pull the trigger on any property I wanted, as long as it fit our initial criteria within a certain market, anything that deviated from that, for example, anything that deviated from that, we'd have to have a conversation about. So for example, most of our stuff was residential and we came across a really nice commercial mixed use, a little bit higher price point than we were used to. And we sat and analyzed it, looked at it and made sure we both were really comfortable with it before we moved forward. Before we partnered with any other investors, we sat, we wanted to make sure that she was comfortable, that we all had the same philosophy and methodology on how we are going to manage those, what they're going to look like. So you're on the same page. But also for her to have involvement, she was really passionate about the look and the feel and the flow of a property. So early on, she would go into the properties with me and look at, you know, the layout, how we're going to, the functionality of those things, and also the color scheme. And then from there, pretty much the entire portfolio is geared around, centered around, designed around a certain color and a certain style. And we rinse and repeat if there's anything that kind of deviates from that that we think should be looked at. And then we involve her in those kind of, those kind of concepts. 
No, that's awesome. And it, I like how you talked about too, you created criteria, you know, earlier on for buying, for purchasing properties and that you both agreed on and, and just agreed that if it, if it was something different than that, that you would have another discussion. I think that's important and because those big financial decisions affect your, your spouse or your business partner in a big way, no doubt about it. The interview, you talked about like nonprofit to significant profits in four years. Uh, elaborate on that a little bit. You know, we had the two rentals uh, in South Central PA and moved to, to the western part of Pennsylvania, just outside of Pittsburgh in, in the summer of 2012. Loved my job as a you know, nonprofit executive. And, you know, the W-2 was great, but we knew that we wanted to get to a certain point. And everybody was asking a lot of the banks were going, what's when's it going to be enough? When's, what's the number? And I was like, really, I don't have a number. Initially, I wanted to get to 88 units so I could hire a property manager. And how I calculated that was based on the income that those units should generate and then the 10% for the management, what did that look like? So I didn't have to be running to Lowe's and Home Depot to pick up materials for the guys. I didn't have to vet all the tenants, those sorts of things. And then the next goal was you know, replacing the W-2 income. And then from there, it was just really looking to identify partnerships that we could form and uh, assets we could add to the portfolio. Now, we pretty much tripled what the W-2 used to be. And it's a, it's on our terms. And it's the nice thing is it's an asset that's going to continue to generate those things. I always use the analogy and I tell people that, you know, Warren, about doing real estate, you can make money while you sleep. You don't actually have to be clocking in and clocking out. The money is coming in from real estate 24-7, 365. It's an incredible lifestyle change, right? I mean, or mindset shift that has to happen though, even before the lifestyle change happens. What are some ways maybe the plan changed while you're getting to your goal uh, that maybe you didn't expect? Plans change just based on things that happen at work. You know, during you know, initially, we both were happy in our W-2 and my wife shifted her job and because she was not as passionate with her previous employer as, as she wanted to be. And I said, listen, you being passionate about what you do is the most important thing. So go ahead and, you know, take a step back, reevaluate things and, and go and attack, you know, adding kids. <laughs> you know, we have we have four children. And at the time when we first started, we had two. It's a lot to commit to, you know, for me to continue to be growing the business like we did. And for me to ask her to, to take on all that burden, it's not possible. It's not fair. So, you know, those sorts of things, you know, different time constraints pulling you one way or the other and market conditions, you know, especially now with COVID. But even prior to that, you know, we got into a, a market where there wasn't a whole lot of competition. And then all of a sudden people started seeing that there was an opportunity and that really impacted the returns. So you just got to be extremely fluid and nimble and being able to attack each day differently from one day to the next. What's the hardest part for you as far as getting to your first syndicated deal, as far as making that happen? Initially, I was very comfortable getting in and renovating the properties, doing them all myself, just based on you know my passion and my background and experience level. And then you know there's a little discomfort when you start working with partners. You're not 100% owner, and I'll say that to your listeners is the thing that I say constantly: is a percentage of something's better than 100% of nothing. 
So again, going from doing everything ourselves, 100% ownership to then uh, joint ventures, you know, there was a little discomfort there. But the syndication piece was just something I knew that I wanted to get to because it's a lot of work to take down a four-unit property, a 20-unit property. Our largest asset right now that we, we, we own is 22 units, and that's a lot of work. Whereas if you can get into a 100, 200, 300 plus unit property and you still own essentially 50, 60 units of that through a syndication, that's really, truly how you scale. But again, it's more of a, you've never done it before, experiences you don't have. So it's just really, the, it has to be a mindset thing. That's why about two years ago, I decided to invest in myself and go to a boot camp. We brought our operations manager for PPI down to that as well to learn. He knew a lot just from operations, but he didn't know everything that I did. And that was a good platform for him to be at. For me, the only two reasons I went, one, the network, and two, to learn more about syndications. And since then, it's been, I'd say, from my professional development time, it's been about 60 to 70% of my development time has really been focused on learning more about that joining presentations where people are asking me to be part of their syndication group, those sorts of things. And we come back, you get excited. You're like, oh, this is a great deal. And you sit down and look at the numbers with my, with my wife and we say, hey, is now the time to do that? There's been some great opportunities. But again, we also look at what we're able to do from a joint venture side, the margins we're getting in Western Pennsylvania and the opportunity for us to both kind of double dip. You get an opportunity to be part of a deal, but then also have the opportunity to be the property manager for that which is great. So that we've kept syndications in our hip pocket, knowing that we're going to do it eventually when the, the right deal comes about. But right now, the joint venture seems to be a little bit more profitable for us because we have a piece both on the property management side and also the asset that on the balance sheet. Speak a little bit to starting your own management company and, and maybe why you did that versus third party. Again, some of the background, you know, I was good with my hands. We were there good doing the work, didn't have the money initially to to hire contractors to do a lot of work for us. We wanted an extra layer of liability coverage there. You know, that way, if there would be something that happened at the property, it would fall into the property management before it come back to the ownership group. And then really the one reason why it, we really sped it up as far as the building of the business was when we started doing some joint ventures. And everybody comes in, you know, a third, a third, a third. Everybody owns equal shares and the other people are going to be somewhat passive and, you know, re- review the financials. But I'm going to be the one to turn wrenches, doing work orders, putting tenants' heads in beds. You know, therefore, then, you know, you should be compensated for that. And then it just really grew organically from there. And it's it's been great. Now we do some third-party stuff with other investors, which has been really helpful. We've, through networking and through being on podcasts like this one, we've been able to pick up, I think, seven or eight different investors from all across the country that, you know, learned our story, came to Greensburg, where we used to live and where most of the assets are, which is in Western Pennsylvania. And others have bought properties from us or with us, sight unseen just based on you know some of our track record and, and the, the numbers we put put together. Nice. George, how do you prepare for a downturn? Holding on as much cash as possible. <laughs> Being mindful that when we build our performance, when we're analyzing a deal, we are extremely conservative on the revenue side. We don't ever factor into rent bumps. Uh, I think that's well, how a lot of investors are going to get themselves in trouble is that they've been super aggressive when they're foreseeing as future rent bumps. And then we're extremely aggressive on the expense side. We fund, when we build our performance, we put 10% vacancy and also a 10% maintenance reserve in on a monthly basis. Our typical vacancy is around 2.5%. 
So extremely conservative on the revenue, extremely aggressive on the expenses, and seems to shake out extremely well when the results happen. What do you expect to happen in the real estate market over the next 6 to 12 months? I think it's going to vary depending on the market. You know, one of the things that we've seen, you know, historically, you know, in the Rust Belt, the Northeast is, you know, you don't see crazy appreciation plays. Those properties tend to stabilize pretty well. And the rents also hold pretty true. It's not a sexy market by any means. You know, you don't have the population growth, the job growth is, you know, some of the the Southern states and even out West, but you do, you see some strong rents that are kind of at market rent. There's no speculation with that. So it's tough to say. I, I think there is going to be some downturn. I think there's going to be some larger assets that are going to become available. I think the last five years where people were paying crazy money for properties just to have them. And then they promised the moon to their investors. Mm-hmm. And when they can't deliver, you know, those notes are going to be called. And I think there's opportunities then for you know folks that have been a little bit more conservative and have the capital set aside for those opportunities to, to really attack it. But again, I think it's, it depends on the market that you're in and the type of asset you have. Uh, for example, we have a pretty stable portfolio. We're not heavy on college. We're not heavy on Section 8, low income. It's relatively stable. We have about 25% of our portfolio is college. When I say college, it's not just undergrad, it's graduate and postgraduate. We consider all those college. If you're 80% college, you could be in a tough position right now. We've seen that in different markets where we're at. So it's, I think it's really smart for people to have a very balanced portfolio. If you're 100% real estate and residential, that's great. But then don't go all one way or the other. No, that's some great advice right there, George. Be diversified, right? George, with four kids, you and your wife, Angela, working W-2 jobs, making this shift and moving to Florida, doing all these things and growing this business and building property management company as well. You know, you're definitely someone who has a high level of self-discipline. And I like to ask people, you know, how did you gain that high level of self-discipline? Because I personally have seen just the the benefits after you start developing, you know, more self-discipline, the things that start to happen. How did you do that? As a young man, I, I was a student athlete. And I always strived to excel during athletic season when everything was very structured. I like routines. So pretty much every day is the same with routines. You, you build in time for, you know, all the different aspects of your business and your family. And you build that in there and know when it's the kids come home from school, you might have a little bit of things to finish up. But the most important thing is to spend time with them. That's why I get up every day and do what I do is to, to provide for my family and to be able to spend time with them. And when they are here, I want to be fully engaged. And when they're not or when they're in bed, that's when it's time to, to get things done. So I always exceeded well when there's a lot of structure. So my calendar, it's everything's built in. Every single piece of the operation that we need to do, whether it's working out, whether it's payables, receivables, working on marketing for the business, all those things are structured out in my calendar. That's great. Are there a couple of daily habits that you're disciplined about that have helped you achieve success? I think so. I think a lot of that is to get up and not jump right into your email, to be able to have a cup of coffee and kind of reflect on what the day looks like, have you know, a conversation with your significant other, your business partner, and you know the person you, who you work so hard to, to give a great uh, great life to. And That's really helped me over the last couple of years of getting up. And we were both, I was working a W-2 job and also growing the portfolio. I was getting up immediately checking emails and Sometimes, depending on what those emails look like, could really set your day off course. So I focus on getting up and trying to just focus on us and and then getting into it and 
building in time for to, to take care of yourself, whether it's reading or listening to podcasts or to work out, I think is also important. It's something that I've been very lax on is I'm taking care of myself. It's always been about grow, grow, grow and the family and not myself. So starting next week, I have every day built into my mid-morning to, to go work out and take care of myself. And uh, I'm super excited to see that through. Good for you. That's awesome. I appreciate you elaborating on that. And just the structure is so important. I could not agree more. Even even not looking at emails till like a specific time in the day, later in the day, hopefully, or later in the morning, uh, because it, it can it can just blow your whole morning and mess it all up when you see something, uh, you know, instead of getting your mind right first thing. Sometimes, you know, you have something on your calendar and stuff comes up, you just can't get to it. Then just move it. Don't skip it to another day, another time where you have some openings. I typically leave Mondays and Fridays completely open for catch up and to, to build in long weekends if we want. Monday or Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday are just slammed nonstop with, with activities and, and meetings. But those others are, are, are nice cushion days for everybody. I like that. Then you're not so stressed either because you know you have time where you can get this other thing done. And like Alave, you said, well, just move it. You already have that time open. You know it's there. You can move it there. You don't have to stress about it right now. Hey, we'll get that done later. I know, you know, we have time for that. Tell us your best source for, say, meeting new investors right now. The meetups are great, you know, when you were allowed to do them, you know, in, in person. That's how I met three of my partners is just going to meetups, being uh, sincere in who you are. Don't be fake, just, you know, and start a conversation. I had a, a friend of mine who seen me on Facebook that I was in grad school with and we struck up another conversation. He's like, I see you're in real estate. And I told him what we were doing. He couldn't believe it. And he connected me with, a, you know, another colleague, uh, a friend of his who lives in Atlanta. He lives in Texas. And be yourself. People reach out to me. They see me on Facebook and we schedule a meeting and I just listen and ask them what they're working on. They ask me what I'm working on and give them time to help them through things. And I'd say over the last month, I've had probably 25 conversations with people that I've never met. It's just through social media. And I'm just, I tell them, Hey, I'm here to help you. And they say, I'm I'm here to help you too. And it started relationships that way. It's yeah, so go to meetups and 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 just be responsive and and be there to help people, and and don't have an agenda. Just be yourself and be genuine. What's the number one thing that's contributed to your success? I was always raised to be kind to people. It takes no effort to be kind. So again, when people reach out and they have questions, I, I try to give them the opportunity to to talk with me and to, to be kind and. People can see that that I'm pretty sincere and it's worked out extremely well. There's times where you need to be not kind, but you know you'll you'll identify when those are and just be good to people and it, it all tends to work itself out. And how do you like to give back? Well, we we've always given back to local charities, nonprofits. We think that's extremely important. You think we uh, a great community has a very vibrant uh, nonprofit sector to make difference in people's lives. And again, I try to instill that similar motto to the kids, our children. You know, we give back monetarily. We, we give back in some in volunteering efforts, you know, at least where we previously were. We're looking forward to getting involved in that here. But, you know, as far as giving back, just being there to, to help people with anything they might need, because I, be, I believe in karma and that those sorts of things tend to work themselves out on, on the back end. George, I appreciate your time today. I'm grateful to have met you personally and, and just expose you to the listeners too. Just a great story. Congratulations again on your success for you and your wife, Angela, being able to make this happen, leaving your W-2s and getting to that vacation home, which became a permanent home 
uh, what, five years earlier than your goal? Congratulations on that. It's incredible. Great story of that determination and that it can be done. You had a growing family, just both of you working so hard. Tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you and learn more about you. Facebook and Instagram. Our website is progressivepropertyinvestments.com. Again, it's progressivepropertyinvestments.com. My cell phone's listed on the website. Our Facebook page talks a lot about you know what we do as far as renovations and working with investors. The website's more geared towards you know end users, residents, but it at least gives everybody opportunity to see the types of properties we have out there. But I'm here to help anybody, whether you're a seasoned investor and you want to learn about how we start our own property management company, or you're a newbie that's just trying to buy your first one with a line of credit, or uh, you're going to house hack for a, a number of years. So I'm here to help any way I can because I, I feel that that's how we strive in this real estate environment through through teams. Awesome, George. That's a wrap. Thank you very much. Don't go yet. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I would love it if you would go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. I want to hear your feedback. It makes a big difference in getting the podcast out there. You can also go to the Real Estate Syndication Show on Facebook so you can connect with me and we can also receive feedback and your questions there that you want me to answer on the show. Subscribe too so you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, I want to keep you updated. So head over to lifebridgecapital.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with me, sign up on the contact us page so you can talk to me directly. Have a blessed day and I will talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.